Hello and welcome to Foundation Stones from Refuge City Church. Having a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus Christ is vital for every Christian, especially in the times we live in. Through God's word, candid conversations, and everyday application, the aim is to help you build your foundation so you can stand strong for God every day. Buckle in and prepare your heart. Pray this, God, ready my heart for your truth that I might be more like you. We hope today's episode empowers you to grow in your walk with Jesus. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, it's Jim here with Foundation Stones, the worship and the administrative pastor at Refuge City Church, and I want to take this opportunity today to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening during the week of the release of this podcast, it is Thanksgiving week, and I hope that your amazing family and friends are able to join together with you and enjoy a great, beautiful week of gratitude. And so as I was thinking about what Thanksgiving means, I thought that it would be prudent for us to investigate what God's Word has to say about Thanksgiving, and specifically the word gratitude. Now, you know that as we go through these teachings, what we're actually doing is building our foundation in Christ one stone at a time. And I think that going into this week of Thanksgiving, the thought of gratitude being one of those stones is truly a very biblical principle. I want to explore that a little bit. I was reading through a parable of Jesus recently that I really think speaks to the heart of this. And I hope that it's a ministry to your heart today as I talk about it, because gratitude, it seems so simple, and sometimes it seems so abstract or so everyday and common that it might be kind of strange for us to think about how important this is to God. But I think you're going to see in the scriptures today just how vitally important it really is to him. And so if you would, just open your Bible up to Matthew chapter 20. We'll be there in just a second. And so this building block of faith and gratitude, yes, it's a solid footing with the Lord in our Christian walk, specifically in the area of gratitude, because being thankful is really important to our Heavenly Father. And so we're getting ready for a week of Thanksgiving. You might be thawing out your turkey. You might be getting ready for a family gathering. You might even be traveling or maybe you're even going through airports and getting on an airplane. I don't know if you're doing that or not, but it can be a busy week. But you know what? If we drill down to the heart of who we should be as a believer in Jesus, I really think that this holiday should perhaps be one of the most important of all the holidays that we celebrate. It's a reminder to our heart and to our soul and to our mind that we're not our own provider. Think about that. You might have the capacity to work, but even your capacity to work to provide an income for your family is a gift from God. And we are certainly not our own savior. In fact, we are far from it. We are absolutely wretches without the saving grace and power of Jesus through what he did for us on the cross. We've all been truly blessed, even in the midst of our hardships. You know, I know you've gone through hard stuff. I've gone through hard stuff. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not immune to difficulties. But we have sufficient grace for today, even in a fallen world, even in dark times, even under the shadow of death. And we can aim our hearts and our lives at Jesus and remain grateful no matter what. In fact, I want to show you in Scripture that the will of God is specifically giving thanks. Thanksgiving. Giving thanks is God's will for our life. Have you ever struggled like I have before with this thought? I just wish I knew what God's will was for my life. It might sound overly simplistic, but the Word of God makes very clear what God's will is for our lives. And it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, 17, and 18. It says this, Rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Did you catch that? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so I understand we may need specific direction in certain areas of our lives, but there is one thing absolutely for sure, even when we're uncertain about everything else. God's word is clear that we're to be thankful and grateful to Jesus no matter what. But you know, there's several enemies to our gratitude. Things that come against our capacity to remain thankful to Jesus in our lives. And I'd like to talk about a few of them for a few minutes. And I'd like to mine these truths from a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to read 16 verses here that are possibly familiar to you, or maybe they're a little abstract. But if we open these words up before us right now, I think that we're going to find that there are some principles here that can help us in our daily lives. So this is the parable that Jesus told of the ungrateful servants. This story is really interesting. So let's look at it. Matthew 20, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. So a couple things here to point out is, first of all, the time frames. The way that this culture interpreted time was that at the zero hour, that was approximately six o'clock in the morning. The third hour was nine in the morning. The sixth hour was noon. The ninth hour was three o'clock and the twelfth hour was six in the evening. And so basically what this is saying is that the first workers went out and agreed to work for a denarius. And then subsequently, at each quarter of the day, he went out and hired more people and even got somebody at the last hour of the day. And then when they settled accounts at the end of the day, he paid everybody the same amount, even though the first ones worked longer and the last ones worked only an hour. And so we can see that there was this disgruntlement. They, there, there was an injustice that took place and some of these workers were not so happy about it. And so out of this parable, I want to pull three truths that I saw, three enemies to gratitude. And the first one that I saw is entitlement. Entitlement was an enemy to their gratitude. What is entitlement? Entitlement is thinking that we have a right to something. 
we assume that we have a right to something. Look at what happened in verse 10. It says, but when they first came, they supposed that they would receive more and they likewise received each a denarius. So they saw that they had worked longer and since the workers who had worked less got the amount that they had agreed to, they assumed that they were entitled to more because they worked longer. You see, those that worked more felt entitled to a better wage than those who worked less. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt like this before? You knew that what you were receiving was what you agreed to in the beginning, but once you saw that others who you didn't think were as deserving got the same that you agreed to receive for yourself, you assumed you'd receive more. And I got to thinking about this. You know, this is a self-elevating assumption of your own status in comparison to someone else. And it's a dangerous place to find yourself. Think about this. This is the definition. This is the pure and simple definition of judgment. I've judged that you are less and I am more. I worked harder than you. I deserve more than you do. Jesus was really clear about judgment. He taught us how to judge. You know, sometimes the verse I'm about to read to you is to tell us not to judge at all. But basically what Jesus was teaching and what I'm about to read to you was how to judge. Basically making sure that your heart is pure before you make a judgment on someone else. Because you see, these workers had assumed that they were better and deserved more simply because they worked longer, but they didn't know the deal that the landowner had worked out with these other workers. So look what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5. He says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. In verse 5, here is how Jesus is describing to us how to judge. He says, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So sometimes we do need to make judgment calls. But the only time that we can make a righteous judgment call is when our own hearts have been judged by God and by ourselves first. You see, entitlement, this thought that I deserve something simply because I am breathing, (laughs) it steals our gratitude. Because you'll never think that what you have is good enough. Because you're alive, because you're drawn in oxygen, you'll think that you've earned and you deserve something better than you have gotten or something better than what someone else deserves. And so by default, this is going to mean that what you have is not good enough and you'll stop being thankful for it at all until you get something else that you think you do deserve. You see, these laborers in the field first thing in the morning represent a believer who faithfully serves God all their life and, and then gets the same reward as the one who got saved under the wire. Maybe that person came to Christ on their deathbed after living a sinful life separated from God and they still got eternity with Jesus in heaven, which is actually the reward that the one who has served Jesus their whole life will get as well. You see, why would we pour out our entire life from the time that we find Christ to the time that we go home to heaven to be with him to see other people come to salvation if we don't want them to receive the same reward that we have been promised? Just because we've been saved longer, just because we've lived a life of purity to the best of our ability doesn't mean that we inherently deserve to get more in heaven than the one who comes to Christ in the very last moments of their life. 
And sometimes we can resent the favor and the blessing that somebody else is receiving because somehow we've got it in our minds that we deserve more than they do. We've worked harder. We've lived for Christ longer. We've sacrificed more. Be careful. It's going to steal your gratitude. It's going to cause you to be cynical. It's going to cause you to look through people and see nothing instead of look into people and see their hearts as valuable before God. So the first thief of gratitude is entitlement. And I see that here in the parable in Matthew 20 that we're studying. The second thief that I see in this parable in Matthew 20 is the thief of comparison. The thief of comparison. Let's, let's find out where that happens. Verse 11, and when they had received it, they complained against the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. So what are these workers doing? They're actually making themselves a more lucrative or higher up judge even than the landowner. The landowner's the one with the authority and the workers have the audacity to go before the landowner and said, you've judged wrong. They basically said, these guys only worked an hour. I've been keeping record (laughs) and you made them equal to us. You have judged wrong. Hmm, Interesting. You see, comparison is the considering of two things with regard to some characteristic that is common to both. They both worked, but these laborers were sure to point out that they worked harder while the other workers worked less. They didn't deserve as much as we deserve. We've all been there. We've all done this. This is a dangerous place to be. And believe me, it's really hard to be grateful when you see somebody else getting what you think they don't deserve. Those that worked longer were certain that they'd receive more by comparison. They assumed that they were better in the landowner's eyes. They were keeping track. They had looked at the clock. They had measured the amount of work that had been done, and they found the other workers lacking, and they thought by comparison that they were better. Mm, Very dangerous. Of course, they're not going to be grateful if they're busy comparing with other people who didn't do as much as they did. You see, when we get our eyes off our own prize, Jesus and his rich presence, we're going to naturally start to compare our qualifications with the qualifications of others. And the danger in this trap is that we're going to measure ourselves positively while we measure someone else negatively. That's how comparison works. And to top it off, we're generally going to try and justify our judgment and prove it to the one who is rewarding us. We love to tattle on the one we've estimated lower than ourselves in order to elevate our own position. Somehow, we think that that is going to impress the landowner and and we find out that the landowner can see right through it. The workers are saying, these men didn't work nearly as much as we did. We deserve more. And I just see in in my life and in the lives of people around me, comparison is always going to cause us to complain. And complaint is always going to make us bitter and cynical and will cause us to see others as out to get us instead of as a soul to win for Jesus. And so that comparison is a sinister enemy, a trap that will steal our gratitude. And so entitlement and comparison, and then this enemy of gratitude, discontentment. Discontentment. Look what it says in verse 11. And when they had received it, what is it? It is their pay. When they had received their pay, they complained against the landowner. They complained against the landowner. 
It's discontentment at its finest. Discontentment is dissatisfaction. It's a restless desire or a craving for something that one does not have. You see, what was happening here was that these workers who had worked all day discovered that the wage that they had agreed to work for by the end of the day was not enough. They were discontent with it. They had a restless desire or a craving for something more based on comparing that caused them to be discontent. The landowner paid them what they had agreed to, but because their wage was the same as someone else whose work didn't add up, the wage that was once enough was no longer enough. So let me ask this. Have you ever received something magnificent that then lost its luster when you saw what someone else received? I'll give you some examples. Did you love that car until your neighbor got a better car or maybe a newer car than you? Did you love your wedding band, your wedding ring, until your friend's wedding band, your friend's wedding ring was more carrots than yours, bigger diamond, more gold? Did you love your vacation to the lake until you saw your friend's pictures of their trip to Disneyland? (laughs) Did you love the thought of being with Jesus for eternity until you realized that the person who just found Christ will get the same reward as you and you've served Jesus longer? See, gratitude or thanksgiving will keep your perspective in its right place. You will get what you agreed to, and by his grace, God will also give others who don't deserve it the same way you don't deserve it, inheritance in heaven. Somehow, in our flesh, we don't think that's fair, unless we remain humble and grateful. You see, by becoming discontent, we are actually judging God's ability to give his good gifts to anyone he pleases. Let me say that again, because this is paramount as we're going into this week of Thanksgiving. By becoming discontent, by becoming entitled, by comparing our lives with other people's lives, we are actually judging God. We're judging God's ability to give his good gifts to anyone he pleases. He can do what he wants. He's the good shepherd. And we have to remember that God is God and we are not. The landowner here in in Jesus' parable reminded the first workers that his word was never compromised. He did exactly what he said he would do. He was faithful to his promise of a certain wage. He never defrauded anybody. They simply assumed because of a lack of gratitude and thanksgiving that he would pay more to them because they deserved it more. And the landowner was quick to point out, that his integrity and his character were intact, and he would pay them out of his own resources exactly what he told them he would pay. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father, God's character and integrity to his released blessings are completely intact. He never changes. His promises are always secure. He is always faithful. He is worthy of our praise, and he is worthy of our gratitude and thanksgiving. And so, friend, I just want to encourage you to remain grateful, to stay in God's will. We've got to trust that God is our good shepherd. I love this amazing psalm, one of the most famous portions of scripture in the world that talks about the heart of our good shepherd, the one who is going to give the same wages to the one who served him for a lifetime as the one who will come to him on their deathbed. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this week, as you're cooking your feast, as you're traveling to your family gatherings, I want to encourage you, keep your eyes focused on the Good Shepherd. Don't look to the left and right. Don't be entitled. Don't be discontent. Don't compare. Just be grateful that your name is found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Be grateful that your shepherd leads you beside the quiet waters and leads you into the green pastures. And I just encourage you this week to take some time aside to just sit before the Lord and tell him thank you for all the ways that he's blessed you, for all the inheritance that he is still to give you as eternity unfolds, and to know that your heavenly Father is good to you even as he's good to those around you. So friends, can I hopefully be one of the first to say to you, Happy Thanksgiving. I love you. I'm so grateful that you're a part of the Foundation Stones family, and I can't wait to be with you again next week. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us next time for another deep dive into the foundation stones of our faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about Refuge City Church or to join our giving team to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward and making resources like this podcast available into the future, visit refugecity.church.